Hey everyone, welcome back to the lobby, GameSpot's weekly video game hangout. It's Wednesday, the day before uh, Thanksgiving weekend here in the U.S., but we figured we'd give you one more episode before we get a few days off here uh, in the country. I'm Mike Mahardy, your host, here with Peter Brown. Hello. Here with Rob Hanley. Other gray guy. The shirt. That's a very vague reference to the joke. They're wearing, yeah. they're wearing the same shirt, it looks like. Yeah. Uh, and Kelly Plaggy. Hello. Who has a dope Portugal the Man shirt on, which I really like them. Uh... We got a pretty full show today. Got a few news items to get through, and then this is kind of a year in review, 2017. Looking back on it, at least from uh, our four perspective as the lobby crew throughout the year, uh, and also like what games did post-release uh, well in the wake of some Battlefront 2 stuff recently, and uh, other games were kind of taking the loot crate route. Especially because uh, you see, like, there's more news coming out of Belgium's doing that investigation. It's Hawaii wants to investigate loot crates now. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then we're, yeah, like in general, we're going to look toward our uh, most anticipated games 2018. But as usual, I'm in the Twitch chat, I'm in the YouTube chat, and uh, I got a bunch of questions and comments and replies in Twitter before the show went live. So got a lot to cover today. First, I want to get to some news things. Uh, last weekend, we did our Extra Life charity stream, uh, and it went really well. We went for 72 hours between the U.S. office here in San Francisco, uh, one of the U.S. offices, and then London and Sydney, and we raised... $15,480, so we beat our goal by $480. Uh, thank you so much to everybody who joined and donated. It was really fun. Uh, Craft Punk showed up, if you're an mm -hmm. Eric Andre fan. I, I thought he was disgusting. arrested a long time ago. I don't know how he's free. Yeah, he broke out, so he was here. Really? Yeah, I yeah. ate some disgusting stuff. Um, we all played some fun games. You guys were taking shots of that really hot whiskey vodka. You it mean wasn't whiskey yeah. vodka. Chili, Chili vodka. vodka. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't. It wasn't that bad. I don't know how, how much you guys drank then because well they just I might be know. better people, stronger Nick, people. That's than probably us. Nick tried to bring <laughs> I, I was like can you bring in milk and he brought in condensed like powder oh, he meant milk. Yeah. I know. And I was like are you joking? Do you want to know why that's all he had is cuz I brought the creamer in the night before. When we were taking those shots to try to cool it down. You're drinking creamer? Yeah. Damn, yeah, I drink. I, I actually drink creamer also. Uh, uh, I beat Ben Jenka at Mario Kart. Casually. Was, wait, wasn't that the result during our tournament? Or did he beat you? He beat me. Oh, so that was revenge. Yeah, so. Best, you guys got to do That's a tiebreaker a casual pickup game, you know. No. Nick was casual about Nick that. was wearing a sombrero. It was the whole thing. <laughs> You can still donate if you have a few dollars to spare at tinyurl.com slash gsextralife2017. It's in the Twitch chat right now. Otherwise, we still have our page if you search on GameSpot through Google, and you can go find that. But otherwise, thank you to everybody who did join and helped out. We crushed our goal. I see Goob in the Twitch chat. He sent us a really nice bottle of scotch. Yeah, He's always here, a big supporter of GameSpot. Uh, my mom was in the chat at one point. Yep. My mom made you say something very embarrassing. Oh, and I never got the chance to take it back. So oh. she, said, she said, so stipulation was that Kathy Plaggy, Kelly's mom, I had to look in the camera and say that Banjo-Kazooie is a far better game than Banjo-Tooie, and I wasn't allowed to take it back for 24 hours. So here I am taking it She really it back. thought it through. She texted me beforehand. Yeah, she was like, she how much should I informed. donate to make this happen? I, I settled like, for $70, and then she just did 100 anyway because yeah. she knew how painful it was for me. But I take it back. Tooie's better than Kazooie in every way. I'm trying to get Kathy to come on the lobby so we can actually debate it live. But One day. She seems to not want to. One day. Um, cool. Yeah, the Extra Life went really well. It was a fun weekend. Uh, we wrapped it up in Australia. Jess and Dan Crowd uh, got the $15,000 goal when they were kind of half awake. Uh, Playing Pirates, the dancing yeah. game. <laughs> Very weird. Um, and then in other news, I guess, around GameSpot, we'll have a lot of Black Friday stuff going up. I figured this was uh, helpful to call out. 
Uh, are we gonna have like 4K TV guides or anything? Or uh, I mean, I'm, we have gift guides and stuff for Black yeah. Friday sales. Games. I know there's a like computer monitor uh, Black Friday guide going around, but 4K TVs now's the time to buy. Okay, frankly, honestly, cool. but do your research because especially if you care about gaming on them, as I'm sure you people do. Yeah, it can get very confusing, and you might end up with a set that has something you don't want. Cool. So. Um, yeah, so stay tuned to GameSpot throughout the week, uh, and just like follow us on Twitter if you don't, and we'll have a lot of Black Friday deals going up and Cyber Monday, I would uh, assume. Uh, Rainbow Six Siege Operation White Noise, Aaron got the chance to check it out. I've been playing a lot more Rainbow Six Siege recently. Uh, we'll actually bring this game up again later in the show, because we're talking about games that do post-release support well, and they just announced a third full year of content. Uh, so this came out December 2015, and... They tripled their player base by the beginning of this summer. They it's doubled insane. it. So, yeah, 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 you look around at games like Lawbreakers or even like Destiny 2 had a big drop off. Um, and then PC yeah, came out and everything. Significant drop off. But Rainbow Six Siege, they, we want to look back at like what they were doing. I've been looking at this live, a feature coming up. And they just announced three new operators. If you actually play the game, there's Zofia, who is the sister to uh, Ella, right there on the dead one on the ground right there. Um, <laughs> they're, they're part of the Polish um, Spec Ops. Battalion, I forget what the Grom, Grom I don't know what that uh, acronym actually means. Uh, Dokebi and Vigil, who are the 707th Battalion, who are from uh, the South Korea, and that's the new map is the tower in South Korea. If you want to look at more, Aaron did a pretty good breakdown of it, and the three operators. But for those who don't know, this game is kind of, if you took Overwatch and made it more hardcore, Sexy. I'd oh. say, and tactical. <laughs> so it's all close quarters combat. It's Rainbow Six. It's mostly indoor for the most part. Um, of the Tom Clancy titles, it's more CQB oriented. But each of the operators are like heroes. They have specific weapons and gadgets, and there's a kind of like backstory to who knows who and who trained with who and whatnot. But it's a uh, there is a steep learning curve, but you can play casual enough. I know Jake plays it a lot. Um, Aaron plays it a lot. Ryan Schuber here plays it a lot. This game's fantastic, and I they hit 20 million players, and they were uh, they were approaching I forget how many it was concurrent, but yeah, they just announced a whole full third year. They're in season f- five. Uh, Operation White Noise will be season five, I believe, of year two. And then they're going to... They said they're aiming for 100 operators total. There's something like 30 now, I think. Nice. Yeah, who knows? Um, but it feels pretty balanced throughout the time. But I mean, like, go. this might be the time to get into it. Go check it out. It's that, a fantastic game. That phone hacking edition seems really funny. Yeah, um, that's uh, Dokebi, I think. I like the app. It's cute. Yeah, you like... <laughs> Because uh, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but like you can hack everyone's phone so that it just constantly buzzes, giving away your position. Yeah. But you have so to, like, in order to make it stop, you have to open it up. Yeah. Um, uh, so she has two things. A, she can hack. Okay. So if you're playing, the game is all about attacking and defending. So if you're playing defense, you control the security cameras around the inside, and uh, off the offenders can break those or whatever. Uh, and then the f- offense uses these drones that you pilot in the in the prep phase while the defenders are like fortifying walls and setting up barricades and right. you use those drones for uh, your kind of eyes inside. She can hack the cameras and use them against defense and yeah, if you're like kind of on the other side of a wall from someone you don't know where they are, she can do something to it like will hack their phone and it'll ring and so you can hear where they are if they're not moving. The sound design in this game is unparalleled. I mean, there's one hero who doesn't make footstep sounds and that's huge because this game if you just stand still, you can hear where someone's coming from. It's, it's unreal. You should play Rainbow Six Siege. Um, and yeah, like I said, Aaron has a lot more on that if you want to get into it. Um, in, we'll go back to Rainbow Six Siege, but in news where, uh, I guess, like bad post-release support news. Or not even post-release. The day before Battlefront 2 officially came out, they... Uh, Hours before. Yeah, like 
six three, hours. Three three hours before, I think, is what. If you're saying when they pulled the microtransactions, yeah. So yeah. they pulled the ability to buy crystals, with, which were the real world money equivalents, or not equivalents, but you buy those with real it's world the, money. It's the it's the yeah the, the paid uh, currency in and order they, to get. Loot and crates. we've talked about this extensively, and you know this this is good. I'm glad that they appear to be listening. They did say that they'll be coming back at some point, most likely. In fact, I don't even think they said that. I think they just said it'll no, be they coming they, back. They did. Oh, they said and I, I do, for now. I do want to say really quickly that there's also the, the Disney element to this. I don't know how much of it was community feedback and how much of it was Star Wars as a brand. So there's that to take into account as well. Talking to EA, saying, like, what are you doing with our copyright? Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't... I, feel like our story had information about like Disney execs being like, hey, what's this work? I mean, yeah. it's like My nephew Jimmy tells me this is messed up. What's, <laughs> what's going on? Don't make Jimmy upset. My son <laughs> yeah. is breaking out. There's also the, I mean, it was in mainstream press, so um, there's that factor. But right. it is, it is, it's definitely interesting that they, they pulled microtransactions after so much, um, is it, Negative feedback. It's interesting, and it, it, from what I hear, I don't play a lot of the game. But what people are telling me, I feel like I sound like Donald Trump. <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> telling me. Um, I have friends have told me. Yeah, very good game, but very flawed. It's actually it's a, <laughs> millions and millions of crystals. <laughs> so it actually uh, it has made the game worse because <laughs> it stripped away this thing that was part and parcel of how upgrades worked, how you bought things. Yeah. Right. And there's no viable alternative other than grinding your ass off for dozens, if not upwards of like 100 hours or more. Oh, yeah. it, it, so it's made the problem yeah. worse. Some rough estimate was like, in order to unlock everything naturally in the game, it's over 4,000 hours. Cool. <laughs> Great. Damn. No thanks. Um, Wonderful. Just, yeah, it's it years of nonstop. I'm going to die before that. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, Peter, you're totally on point. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool that they, they made a pretty aggressive move, but... Nothing has changed. It's the exact same progression system. So you're still <laughs> funneled into opening crates every step of the way. Like it, it, the changes that I and yeah, we have talked about this to death. But the changes that I would feasibly think that they should implement are like the ability. And they had said this before originally when the when the when the, when the loot crate system was announced. They were like, with duplicates, you get crafting parts. Crafting parts are the only thing in that game that allow actual progression of your own. And they- Manual they, decisions. Manual, I am, I am looking at, because everything's star cards, right? So I'm looking at my class, I'm like, I want to upgrade this, I want to get this card. Crafting parts allow you to do that. They took that out and for dupes, it's credits now. Um, and I was looking at um, early, early footage of the campaign where uh, one of the things in the campaign is, you know, there are milestones for completing the campaign and as well as finding the collectibles. In this early footage, there, uh, Iden like goes up to one of these collectibles, which now gives you credits. But in this footage, it was crafting parts, and they pulled that as well. So the the point of pulling all those crafting parts is just to lengthen the amount of time right. and more of the leave grind. it up to chance, right? Yeah. Um, opposed to yeah having and that's like, the major problem. That's the main problem is like. You should be able to look at anything in that game and be like, okay, how much time do I need to do this? And it's just downright impossible to, to gauge any sort of timeline other than what I said earlier, like four, over 4,000 hours, hopefully, maybe. Uh, related news, Belgium, that investigation <clears throat> into whether loot crates are gambling is ongoing. There was like a report this morning. People thought that they had reached a decision, but it was actually just the description for the investigation saying yeah. the combination of real-world money and... Uh, 
chance in these loot crates is essentially a game of chance. And then I guess Hawaii is pursuing that investigation now. Um, well, senators spoke out about it, I okay. believe. And yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's so much an investigation. I think it's literally like motions trying to that do, senator do something about it. That senator probably just got a few dupes and was pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we we do have a lot of. Uh, I think did it go? It might not have gone up yet. Uh, Alessandro's kind of explainer. I think it's going up uh, very later soon. To, yeah, 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 later okay. today. So if you. Uh, are not tired of hearing about Battlefront 2's problems yet. We do have something going up in GameSpot later. Alessandro on our editorial team essentially just like went through the whole timeline of what happened and why you should care about it, what it might mean for future games, really good and uh, very in-depth. We won't uh, talk about it too much today. Good. But uh, yeah, you can go check that out probably later today on GameSpot. Um, before we get into the bigger segments, we want to talk Skyrim Switch and Skyrim VR. Um, and then we also want to talk about games, again, like Rainbow Six, that are doing post-release really well, as opposed to Battlefront 2, uh, despite the fact that we haven't even really got too, much, too long into its tenure. Uh, and then we want to look back on 2017 in general, maybe give it an uh, no, overall review, good, the goods and bads, and then anticipated games of next year. But first, uh, we do have an L.A. Noir Switch review up on GameSpot. Uh, did you get the chance to play much of it? No, unfortunately not yet. Uh, I'm still busting my hump getting through Xenoblade. Mm. Um, yeah, we're starting to see a lot of ports come to Switch, uh, this being the latest one. And uh, we've got a full review up. Sounds like a lot of the things kind of you know that made this game stand out back in the day are are still here. It's been a few compromises for Switch. They've changed a few things around too. Uh, you know, for all the details, check out our review. Uh, Matt Espinelli did a pretty good write up on all that. Cool. Um, yeah, might as well get right into it. Uh, Kelly, you've been playing Skyrim on Switch. Yes. Uh, last week mm-hmm. before Extra Life started and on Extra Life. I don't know if we. No, did we, we didn't it? actually play oh, okay. Skyrim. But um, it also came out in VR. I know Jean Luc's been playing a lot of that. I got to check it out a little bit. Yeah. Two more versions of Skyrim. Doesn't seem like too many people are complaining. Uh, I'm sure it'll keep selling. So Skyrim and VR. Sorry, Switch. You played Switch. Yes. Skyrim on Switch. Is this worth getting? Returning to? We talked about it a little bit mm-hmm. last time, but. Seems like almost an ideal situation because Skyrim, the um, the complete edition, what was it called last year? Do you remember? Special edition. Special edition. Uh, when it came out, I mean, it was it was great to have, and I love playing on PC with mods and everything. But Switch actually seems like a different experience, just because it can be handheld. And let's keep value in the question because this yeah. is a sixty dollars sixty dollars sixty dollars game for a game you've probably bought already and 2011 yeah Yeah. six-year-old game um i will say of i know we talked about doom switch two weeks ago now um and how there were problems with that port i think this is one of the best ports on switch available it's really well done obviously that's to be expected because the game is so old now yeah um i mean i really love skyrim and i i think because i put so many hours into it it's really actually nice to have it in a portable sense, like I can just pick up play, I know where I'm going, I go through Bleak Falls Barrow, I know which enemies are gonna pop out at which time, like it's, I'm kind of just getting this comfort experience and that's the value in the Switch um, version to me is like, it's like returning to an old friend. Like yeah. I, I just, uh, there's a lot that I like about it and, it and it does run really well and it looks gorgeous. Um, and I do think that the the Switch, the unique stuff on Switch is integrated pretty naturally. Um, I mean, that's just really like the Amiibo stuff uh, was actually useful items to me. Uh, so I was happy to have them and it was like better. It's the Master Sword, it's right? It's the Master Sword, the Hylian Shield and the Champion's Tunic um, from Breath of the Wild. Okay. And the tunic was better armored than I had available to me at the beginning of the game, so I was very happy to have it. 
Um, I'm assuming they classify it as light armor. In it's Skyrim. light armor, yeah. Okay. Um, the amiibo integration, I feel like, I mean, I guess I'm thinking of Breath of the Wild as well, is like those kind of <laughs> give you <laughs> just. <laughs> They give you like kind of like early game advantages, you know what I mean? Like eventually the that that set equipment kind of gets how do you say like um, outmatched by other things. Returns, you, yeah, like the later you try to use it. Yeah. yeah, I think that if I had tried fifty hours in to use the amiibo, it would have um, I would have been kind of like cool, I guess. But I do like that it's nested under powers. Um, mm -hmm. And one thing that I actually did like that I think I might be in the minority. In uh, in as far as the GameSpot office goes, is I do like the gyro controls for the bow and arrow. I use that in Breath of the Wild. I talked about this last week, I think, mm -hmm. um, and with Splatoon, and I think it enhances the bow and arrow mechanics for me at least. Um, and so I was happy to have that as well. Um, so it's you know it's like obviously it's there's not much to say beyond. I mean I I did do a review on it, and also like it's it's Skyrim. It's everything that you. Remember Skyrim to be, they didn't fix any old bugs. There's no new bugs. Um, and having that portability, if that's something that's really important to you, for me, that's something that's pretty important um, as far as this game goes, I guess, uh, then that is the biggest advantage, I'd say. Have they said anything about, has Microsoft said anything about uh, enhancing the backwards compatibility version for Xbox One X? I was just trying to think of what other platforms this could possibly come to in the next uh, year or two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, more Skyrim releases. Oh, yeah. the other thing I did mention in my review is like if you're used to playing with mods, I actually didn't use that many mods uh, when I played on PC, which is weird. Um, if you're used to mods, like it can be weird to go back, I think to to an mod. era before mods. Um, would it be possible to have mods was, on Switch? Oh, oh, sorry, I think I say someone else. I guess it would be t would be possible, but you know there would have to be a limit, right? Right. Um, yeah. Like if you look at the special edition that came out last year. There was certainly a limit as to how much you could throw in there. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, don't be surprised if this eventually comes to mobile. Oh. Or at least mobile mobile stores that could feed into tablets as well as Like phones. a pared-down version? Or no. even that 2011 game could just easily be ported? Oh, dude, you look at uh, like the NVIDIA Shield, for example. I mean, even the, the Switch itself is running off a mobile chip. So it's not out of the question at all. Piss Tamora off. Tamora hates all these Skyrim re-releases. <laughs> it's, it's only helping Bethesda, want, uh, though. I mean, like, they don't... The publisher sorry. itself doesn't have a... I'm sure, like... The, I'm, I wonder how the Skyrim Switch slash VR sales, especially Switch, will compare it to, like, Prey sales, another game mm -hmm. that they published. I have to imagine it'll be, like, comparable, if not more. More. Skyrim. Yeah. I, I, I think yeah. it would have to be more. What, what's the, uh, the price of Skyrim VR? Is that just a... Uh, that's a good question. I'm not positive. Well, Switch is sixty dollars. Yeah. Did you, did you yeah. feel like it was worth sixty dollars? Like, if you play, if, if a lot <laughs> of people mind have, it has new cover art. <laughs> if you played this, game I got it digitally, so I didn't get to enjoy of, the pretty cover art. Shit. Um, yeah, I think I will say like sixty dollars is pretty steep for a game you can get for not sixty for less than sixty dollars on. I any, find Skyrim just on the street. I know. Just, <laughs> uh, it's like an antique at your grandparents' house at this point. So I mean, like I just. For me, it's like I, I own Skyrim on PC and on Xbox. I really don't think if I didn't get a copy for purposes of the review, I wouldn't have paid $60 for a Switch version. Yeah. Everything I'm looking at right now says VR is also 60 Dang. Yeah. I mean, you got to support this extra development somehow. It I'm, just seems like a, a real ballsy price tag. It does. Because Doom I'm was hoping, also. And it doesn't. I'm hoping it feeds into other things. Like, I just hope. Like, what if we got Oblivion remaster? That would be great. 
What was the uh, that Order never... of the Scrolls Six? Maybe this or, could just yeah, be into maybe, the <laughs> maybe we could finally leave Skyrim. <laughs> Go to elsewhere, Black Marsh. <laughs> yeah, it's literally anywhere else. I don't care. Welcome to elsewhere. That's the home of the Khajiit, and then Black Marsh yeah. is the Argonians. Yeah. Don't get me started. Uh, Play a lizard wizard. Any last minute uh, comments on Skyrim Switch? Uh. No. <laughs> Doesn't sound like Definitive. It. Uh, yeah, like I said, uh, John Luke has some stuff going up for Skyrim VR, and uh, it's pretty funny. It's like, if you have PSVR, you can see these move controllers doing their thing. This is what John Luke just <laughs> enjoys doing. I don't even know. <laughs> We've uh, we, we put up an article that's got the video you're watching right now. It's uh, embedded up top. Freelancer Justin Clark wrote a quick little feature on what it's like to revisit this game. Um, not necessarily like a little bit on the technical level, but mostly the experience of just really being enveloped in the world in VR and what that feels like. Um, so if this goofy representation, you know, on a Come 2D here. screen yeah. doesn't convince you that VR makes sense or is worth it, check out that article, see what he's got to say, and do your best to imagine actually experiencing this in, in 3D and VR. Uh, I- maybe not this. <laughs> I do wish that... Great. That's what I just want. <laughs> I do wish more games could just take a page out of Resident Evil 7's book and just kind of maintain the actual controls, but implementing VR in a way that it doesn't just become the entire experience, if that makes any sense at all. Resident Evil 7's great because the controls are very intact from the base game. It's just looking and everything is with the headset and aiming and everything. But it seems Bless. like the PlayStation Move controller controls are uh, a little bit of a hurdle. The coolest thing for me, and I haven't really checked this out too much, is the skill screen is like all around you. So if you're looking at like alteration, you can turn around and look at two-handed, and it's like behind you, and you're like in space, and there's constellations. I think that's cool, but that's cool for maybe five minutes. Is this like tunnel vision uh, always there? I was about to ask. Now it's gotta be just be the export settings. Like I don't know, VR is. Weird. It is could, tough it to could like be just, capture. It could be just when you're you're moving that the game does that, like when mm. you're walking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah, exactly yeah. what happens. Okay, yeah, it's just when you move. Well, it's nailed, it. That. nailed it. Nailed uh, it. Probably to just keep your senses focused on where you're headed and not things moving in your peripheral vision, just to combat nausea. People are laughing at. Uh, I think this is John Luke's gameplay. Him French kissing that horse. <laughs> hey, don't kink shame. <laughs> well, unless it's bestiality. <laughs> yeah, wait, never mind. Abort, abort. <laughs> so Skyrim is out on two new platforms, uh, or I guess in two new versions if you still want to play this game. Still a good game. Uh, Skyrim on Switch is $60 and is out as of last Friday, was it? Yes. Oh, and yeah. Skyrim on VR is also out. out for $60 as of Tuesday, yesterday, right? Or was this Friday as well? Tuesdays, I don't know. Same day? Yeah. Shit. Uh, Skyrim VR was... <laughs> November, God oh, damn! Release date is telling me November 2011. Footage is incredible. This is art. Uh, all right, cool. I want to play it on Switch. Don't know so much about VR, but anyway. All right, <laughs> we can watch this forever. Yeah. So we were talking about Rainbow Six Siege, and we were talking about Battlefront Two games that are attempting to nail that post-release thing. Uh, and then you have Destiny games trying to be games as service. Visceral was shut down according to EA because they wanted it to be the Star Wars game they're making to be more of a games as service. We wanted to talk about. Which games have done post-release content right? And uh, compare that to games such as Battlefront 2 that seem to be uh, struggling to grasp that uh, and games with loot crates. Uh, let's start with loot crates because that's kind of where what seems to have sparked all this. I don't want to go back as far as like Mass Effect 3 with loot crates because that's the first one I can remember, which is also EA. I want to go back to Overwatch, which seems to be the one that really 
sparked the fire recently. Really did it right. Yeah, yeah, you could start. You could argue, yeah. You could argue they're it's the ones that bad. it's their fault. But I mean, they're all aesthetic. Whereas Battlefront is actual abilities and whatnot. Obviously, if you haven't played Overwatch, you can get loot crates, which just end up giving you new character skins, sprays, victory poses, emotes. Uh, what am I missing? Or just more gold to spend on ones that you definitely want to get. So that's the one silver lining here of several, I guess. It's not just the one, but you can actually buy specific skins if you have enough gold. Hmm. This, you know, makes me always, and this is not really feeding into the argument with any sort of definitive stance, but when you think about, like, old school RPGs or any games that would reward you for going into battle against, you know, enemies and stuff, you would pray to get that rare item drop from them. They were essentially walking loot crates, but there was, like, gameplay involved in it, so it didn't feel like this layer, like, once removed to sort of put you in a different mindset and system. And I think that is probably the, the biggest issue here. Where I think people can look at Overwatch and say, even though it's just cosmetic, yeah, like it's still this randomized thing that you have to put in a lot of time and effort for and pray that you get what you want. And that's why so many people like Belgium and Hawaii right. and everyone are yeah. saying this should be considered gambling and should so not be. So many people time is money, like Belgium. In a way. <laughs> is that what I said? No, sorry. I like Belgium. But it's uh, not a people. <laughs> so, so many people in places such as Belgium yeah. uh, running governments such as those in governments gubernatorial roles in Belgium and Hawaii are saying it should be considered gambling. A lot of people are already saying CD Projekt Red does it really well with Witcher 3. Um, Blood and Wine, specifically, the DLC actually gave you uh, Toussaint, like this whole new region to explore, much like uh, Point Lookout and Fallout 3. Uh, if you're talking about New Vegas, like the Lonely Heart stuff, uh, they actually added these new areas, and that was all paid DLC, but you pretty much know what you were getting. Yeah. Uh, Witcher 3, like, again, they gave you another like 50 hours in Blood and Wine if you really want to spend all the time mm -hmm. digging into that. Uh, people just seem to think CD Projekt in general. I know Witcher 2 had some DLC as well. Um, like I said, Rainbow Six Siege does it really well, although they introduced loot crates this year with for aesthetic options, mm. which I'm kind of bummed about because it can take... So Renown is the... Uh, you can, I don't know if it's showing up on the screen right here. No. Renown is your actual currency in the game. And there are Rainbow Six credits, which you could, that's real world money. Those might as well be crystals. And those can be used to buy certain uh, uniforms or headgear or weapon skins for different operators. You might see in the B roll here, some of these weapons have crazy skins. Um, they. I don't really. It's like one of the small problems I have with the game. It's, I guess it's kind of big. But I mean, the loot crates work much like we've been having problems with you. They're not randomized, is the only thing I would say. So it's not loot crates in the sense that, you know, you don't know what you're getting. You do know what you're getting, but it still does take a while to grind if you want to get all the renown possible. Because when a new operator, a new operator group comes out, you can either. If you don't have the season pass, which is like $30 a year, and you get Jeez. renown bonuses or. Um, there's a few, you, yeah, you get renown bonuses or, and you'll have access to the operators like a week early, or you'll have actually, you know, you'll be able to play them before everybody else. It, it doesn't actually affect the game too much, but again, if you want to actually get, unlock these operators, they're not available from the get go. They'll be like 25,000 renown and that could take like 10 hours to get. Um, so I don't know. I'm worried about this game going forward if you don't have the season pass. I mean, I guess you could consider that season pass. Like, you pay $30 for Blood and Wine, the Witcher expansion. Yeah. Uh, the season pass could be considered that if you're playing this game a lot. And, you know, like, I don't know. We're, we're getting to the point where, like, oh, well, it's all aesthetic, so it's not affecting the game. But, like, at this point, it's still 
this isn't randomized loot crates, but it still does take a while, and it seems like they're encouraging you to pay yeah. money for it. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I I think for a game, like a a game that is that you mostly play competitively, like an Overwatch or Rainbow Six, I like for me with Overwatch, the the whole fun of the loot crates is. I have these couple characters that I really like. They're my mains, and I'm striving to get cool skins for them because I like playing them. Um, and that, I don't know, I don't have a problem with that because personally, I'm not the kind of person who would spend money on that sort of thing. Like, there's nothing that like gives me an advantage. It's just like something to work towards. And I think that's a tricky balance to strike. I don't yeah. really know where I'm going with this, but I, I'm not as upset about the, I'm not like, the, the phrase loot crate or like loot right. box doesn't automatically bother me because like Peter said, like you're hoping, there's plenty of games where you're hoping for a good drop or you're hoping to get something um, and it's giving you a goal to work towards. It's kind of what a lot of games do. Yeah, because they have alpha packs in Rainbow Six now. So every time you win a match, you have to specifically, anytime you finish a match, multiplayer or terrorist hunt or whatever, you get an increase in percentage, which can go higher if you have a season pass, but you get an increase in the chance to win a pack at the end of a win. You can only get packs on a win. So you win them, and then you open it, and it's like a rarity. Maybe it'll be a weapon skin. Maybe it'll be a headgear for Castle or for Tachanka. Um, those are operators, not just random words. Tachanka. Um, Tachanka, he's like known as the, the worst operator of the game. He's got this big turret. People call him Lord Tachanka. Uh, he, I, don't, I don't like him. He, right. so, but the alpha packs, actually, you don't know what you're getting in those. And you can buy those with real world money if you buy Rainbow Six credits first and then mm. spend those on um, alpha packs, which kind of sucks because I I know those weren't always in the game. But are those things that, like, I think the difference, I think kind of what I'm getting at is like the difference between something like that where you could spend money if you're like trying to get a specific thing you're looking for versus Battlefront where it seems like everything is driving you to spend money because the alternatives oh. are so shitty. Like with Overwatch, like I don't feel like, like I don't think spending money on a loot crate is necessarily like the game forcing you to spend money. It's someone being like, I really hope I get a mercy skin. Yeah. Um, but like, it doesn't give you an advantage. There's no, uh, there's no reason to spend money on that loot crate other than I want to get this cool cosmetic item because I love this character. Or and I'm playing this game and, a lot and, and I re really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, and like I want something to work towards because eventually, like, if you hit a skill ceiling. Or you only play, you know, kind of casually with a group of friends, and not everybody's at the same skill level. It's like, where do you go from there? Well, you can get these kind of like stretch goals, basically, uh, for playing the game. But there's nothing about that that screams like we're trying to get you to spend money. It's just kind of like an option if you're really passionate about it. Versus, the alternative is spending four thousand hours playing a game. Of course, I'm not going to do that because I could work for four thousand hours driving Lyft and make money and like fuck it. Right. Like anytime when you have to wrestle with the idea, where where you think about it, you know what I mean. Where, like an example, I guess. I mean, you, so you're saying for Rainbow Six, like to get those operators, you can get them quicker, right? By by paying. That that's what you were saying. Yeah, if you have the season pass. Okay. And yeah. well, and, not, and I would say for, to unlock great. any operator, say you were to get into the game that you don't have any unlocked, you would right. just be using the recruit until you unlocked certain specific ones for attack and certain for defend. You would either be able to spend those Rainbow Six credits or the renown which you earn in game. Um, and it takes a while with the renown in game, for, not for the base uh, sixteen operators or however many there are, but with year one and year two operators, those all are like twenty five thousand renown each now, which is a lot. That that'll take you like I think I played a full day. 
Sunday and I might have gotten like 6,500 renown. Um, and then, hey, I am Infinity is telling me you can't spend actual money on the alpha packs. You can only spend renown on the alpha packs. So then anytime you want to actually buy something randomized, that's with in-game mm -hmm. currency. So you can't spend real money on something randomized random. packs. Okay. Yeah. So that's not going to be up for gambling yeah. investigation, right. presumably, right? right? So that's what another reason, thank you, hi, hey, I have Infinity, that makes the game um, not as predatory, I would say. Yeah. And it also, it's aesthetics, and I still don't love it because there are there is a randomized element, and I, it does feel like they may prolong the process to try to get you to shortcut like a free-to-play game might. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> what about something like Rocket League, which plays uh, both yeah. sides of the discussion, right? Yeah. Because you can get gear by playing, and sometimes you'll get a, you'll get a crate, but of course you have to spend money to open that crate. Uh, so it kind of sucks because you do get some stuff, but then the game is basically dangling, like I'm not gonna give you the free thing, I'm gonna give you the thing that's gonna cost you a dollar to open it. And then when you open it, you get something random, and that kind of sucks. Mm -hmm. It does. But the thing is, is that the you can't do it in the game directly necessarily, but there are plenty of websites that even Psyonix points to for trading items with players, right? Where you actually have the option to to give up something you don't want to somebody else for something you do want, right? And people in chat are sure to let you know that that's oh, an option. Yeah. Trade, 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 trade. Like trade. The trade. Eagles from mine, mine. Ha having the trade option is Nemo so Nemo helpful. Yes. Yeah. Mine was, yes. Finding Nemo. <laughs> well, and, and Rocket League at least does a, a couple of things I think are, that's, that's, I guess you could say, tasteful, which is like, I think it's, if you get, well, there's two things. One is, if you don't like that system at all, you can turn it off and never see a crate yeah. and never be reminded and only just be getting, as you said, like naturally these items. Or I think this would be like maybe a tactic with the game is you can turn it off and then I believe check back on it maybe like 10 hours later. See how many crates you got? See how many crates you got oh, and then flip five. If you flip five of the same crate, you get a, the higher tier. whatever higher tiered right. item out of it. So um, you can you can do that with the crates to upgrade yeah, you, your crate itself. No, you can turn in crates, five crates right. of the same type, That's and, get an, and get an item. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, yeah, because no, I only knew that was a deal with individual items that you got from crates. I didn't realize you could upgrade crates as well. Yes. To, you might have said this. Those have to be ranked matches. This this all no. comes into play, right? Because no. I play casual, and I don't earn any crates. So you I feel don't like play it's very casual, slow. man. I guess I'm a casual. That's and that's like, that's a frustrating part is not knowing when or how you get them. Like you want to like. You want to like link it to like a good game or like a good performance, but it's usually it's I put like by chance. two hours into Rocket League and I'll get at least one crate. Yeah, and that's always my benchmark when I'm playing. Like at home, it's like I'll play until I get a crate, and it's usually it feels like within the same amount of time. Sometimes I'll get two, like I'll get one right away, and it's like, well, that was only two minutes. I'm gonna keep playing. Yeah, and that being said, though, the the trading and the uh, I the, the idea of trading back right. with items is not a pretty system. Uh, you it's have, not, yeah. You have told me that like you are unable to do well, certain things. Or, like it's the upgrade thing that you were just talking about trading yeah. in items. So I have like of the same type of the same grade. Yeah. It's like oh, to, you know, take five of these same type, same item category, and you can exchange them. Well, I've got eight items that qualify, but then the game the game like lets me put those in the bucket, and then it goes, oh, one of those items belongs to a series that doesn't allow upgrades, and it's like, then why did you let me put it in there? And which one is it? I don't know. <laughs> Either and, way. And that could improve. But. Right. And actually, now I think about it, to top that on is, you know, when they first implemented that, that system, it was just, there were just two types of crates. But 
now as they now now you're diluting the chance of getting five of the said of said crate, which is but Rocket League also does the other things that we're discussing either you know I I think well right like you can pay money outright for specific cars yeah okay Uh, cars are cosmetics they don't make a huge difference I think there's like minute differences in how they handle Um, but Psyonics also releases a lot of free content and they have this game has been out for over two years now. And we are continually getting like new modes of play, which for Rocket League, that can make a big difference. Like that is a drop shot. Is that the name of the one? Yeah. We don't play that that often, but that is really fun. Like when yeah. we do play that, that's really cool. And some people that might be their favorite mode in the game, um, it, they do keep adding a lot. So I think Rocket League is a very interesting like thing that has a slice of every tactic that we're discussing. Which is and yeah, and strange. And, and that's what I think we all like to think now. I think most people like who are familiar with what used to be the case with like things like Battlefield 4, right? Is when you're locking these maps and you're paired with a friend uh, who has those maps and you don't and you can't <laughs> progress with them into the next match. Like, mm-hmm. that's a problem. Rocket League, I mean, Titanfall 2 is an example of that. Like, yeah, I was going to say, Titanfall 2 has done stuff pretty, pretty well. Really well. Yeah, well, really it's, well. it's been all free map updates and modes and t- was Monarch? Do you have to pay for Monarch? No, no, no. Nope. You could use in-game stuff for Monarch. Uh, the new... Titan that released uh, three months ago, I think, at this point. But uh, if you did want to get new skins, it's not crates. It's pay five dollars. They literally, it'll be, it won't be an in-game currency. It'll say pay four ninety-nine USD or whatever for this Titan. You know what you're getting the entire time. If you do want to splurge and get a new skin for, uh, so your pilot or your Titan will have a cool uh, camouflage or whatever. You yeah. know what you're getting. Yeah, it's all cosmetic, and it is. It's very straightforward, which is nice. It's just like here's, you know, here's a bundle. Like twenty dollars and get all the cool new like skins for a weapon. It'll like, list every single thing that you're getting in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you don't want the bundle, then you know what? I just you know I use one. That's what I do a couple times, actually many times because I love this game so much. <laughs> but that's the thing is <laughs> I was like, I am so ha- like I will happily uh, purchase these cosmetics because as we said earlier, like I love this game. Mm-hmm. I still love this game. Uh, it's ju- I, I feel like I'm I'm helping uh, yeah. that studio to a degree like. Um, and it's well, like you're born be out of, EA. Yeah. It's born out Great. of passion <laughs> for the game rather than like feeling like uh, the exchange rate for time to money is too steep. Or that the game it. is holding anything back from you. Yeah. yeah, you're not paying money to mate. You're not paying real world money to hopefully get that skin of that Titan that you're shooting at because you right. want it. You right. are paying money to definitely have it the next match you go in with Scorch ready to. Uh, scorch, scorch. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and that it, it does remind me of again Rainbow Six. None of the action. There's no gambling aspects. The only time you open something that you don't know what's going to be inside, you can't spend real money on it. It's in-game stuff that you're. Yeah. That or it's just it's just winning matches that you're going to unlock that just by happenstance. Or you can spend renown if you have like three hundred thousand saved up if you play that game regularly. Uh, and it, it games like Titanfall Two and Rainbow Six are rewarding players that play regularly. Uh, you know, like so many games are trying to do games as service, and I wish they would look at titles like these more often. Because mm-hmm. you look at, uh, and people, everybody's mentioning Team Fortress 2 was the first one to have kind of spark loot crates and whatnot. They had that random weekly item drop uh, that went up to a time cap oh, and everything. Yeah. That gave you items. Um, and there was no guarantee you would always get, you would ever get anything you wanted. But then you look at something like Path of Exile. I don't know if you guys have played this too much. It's uh, the dungeon crawler, kind of like Diablo S game, but they've been adding quests, they've been adding just in general new things to do throughout it's i forget when it came out now of like four 14, years 14, yeah 14. like almost four years ago now and it's 
it's a good game. Right? It's more if people who were kind of lamenting uh, Diablo 3 as maybe too casual for people who like Diablo 2, kind of Path of Exile and Torchlight 2, uh, but mainly Path of Exile, I think, was the more mainstream game that kind of captured a lot of the aspects that they wanted in Diablo 3 and didn't get maybe. But it's, uh, they've been, we just had a, they have a new update they just announced recently, uh, and there's just whole new areas, kind of like Diablo 3 did, but, um, I was talking to Eric Tay the other day, and he was watching, I think, a streamer doing Diablo 3, but they, the Kanai's Cube and everything was probably the last big update, but most of them have just been smaller new areas and challenges for adventure mode, if you want to do that, or, uh, just kind of quality of life things, um, but Path of Exile is also great, if you play that, you probably know that they've been supporting this game really well since loss this looks, since launch this looks great yeah um, it's really good it's 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 a huge game if you want to get into it now it's worth exactly doing like Diablo yeah it's uh it's fantastic it's good I when I was on editorial I used to do the preview stuff for the updates we went on editorial no more boy I know uh, what about GTA 5? This one's kind of a weird one. Yeah, yeah GTA I, online people I, spend like a hundred bucks yeah. on yeah. this new vehicle played a lot of that online uh but definitely dropped off and it's not necessarily an example of a great post-release um system but it's interesting because i think some things are pretty neat like uh, highlights of like how they have done stuff i think is just a super strong community that they that they've like listened to and um and have taken advantage of as far as like hey like this weekend it's like double xp you know like consistently like rewarding um, people who who really do like that online um, who keep returning, time keep returning, after time. but and I I'm pretty sure this is the case is that what I what you started hearing with like some of the last um, updates they've had is like just the cost of some of these cars and oh my god <laughs> and then yeah that's part of it too is the cost of like I, there's one there's one update where they added like that rocket glider uh motorcycle yeah that was and dope. explosive sniper rifle rounds dope and it was this but these these are expensive because this is you know the, the the dollar currency and you can get that shark card and get those things quicker but you know they're they're two to three million um in game dollars. um the conversion i can't remember what how it long, is. yeah how long would like three million in game dollars take you to get oh really i mean when i was playing it, it was tough it was a really it was it would take you a while you okay. you would have to like play only you know there's the grinding methods of like well this this mission like rewards you with like you know the, the most money so you just I, I remember like playing this and just consistently playing that said mission over and over again because it was the it was the highest reward but you're still putting a lot of time um and there are no gambling aspects right you know what you're getting when you pay money, real money in GTA, or are you saying the opposite? I, I haven't no, seen it in a long time. You you just you literally buy the uh, like the dirt bike with jets on it. You don't buy the actual item per se. You just get you you put money into the currency. So like yeah, you, you and then spending real world currency. money into dollars is what it is. And then or you just earn in game money or you earn normally yeah um, okay. But yeah, I mean people were I I saw complaints about this where it was like. This really cool old 1980s Mustang looking thing is like more expensive than the first update of like a really awesome, uh, uh, the, one of the first like high end cars. Like, if you compare the two, like, how can, <laughs> I mean, inflation is, I guess, what it is over time, right? Like, they just, they push those vehicles and those items like farther and farther away, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think there are things to look at GT Online that are pretty great. 
Kelly, Again, like the community, I think is really strong. Mm-hmm. Kelly, you were mentioning Pokemon also does like regular free gifts, semi-regular. Yeah, I wanted to bring up something like in, in a little bit of a different vein from like shooters and, and stuff like that, uh, just because like there isn't content you can pay for um, necessarily outside of just the game that you get, but they give regular free um, gifts of items and rare Pokemon. Um, and so one of the good things for this is like uh, for competitive players, um, like that's that's the community that needs to continue to have um, activity. Like obviously you can play Pokemon by yourself, um, but for the competitive community to thrive, uh, people need to continue to play and there's a circuit all year where people enter and stuff like that. And so last year, or I guess it was this year, they gave out a shiny Tapu Koko, which is a legendary Pokemon um, that I caught and I didn't, there's like things you can do like soft resetting to get the best version of that Pokemon possible. And it's a, a really popular Pokemon in the competitive scene. And I had a really garbage one. Um, and they gave out a like a competitively viable, like super perfect version um, for people. And it was almost like here, like we know that not a lot of you are caught up. Like here's a way to catch up and kind of like get back into this. And it was nice. Weird tangent for me. When I see that, I'm always feeling like, doesn't that devalue the game? Like the point of playing it to try to get these things and devalue maybe the edge of competition that one player has over another? So I would, I would say that if it, they were giving out like perfect stat Pokemon that you could breed yourself, but there's only one opportunity in the whole game to catch Tapu Koko and there's only one. So mm. if you catch it, you have to restart the entire game to get a better one right um or you have to soft reset for hours and hours to get the one that you want um while you're at that battle so for like in my case it sounds like a convenience it's doing for you it's a convenience thing right Right, but then doesn't everyone just roll into battle with that same free tapa coco that nintendo gave you no because this is like kind of it's like a standard build and uh it's it's hard to to really explain without getting too in the weeds but basically there's six stats and you're only guaranteed to have three perfect stats uh for a gift pokemon like that for a gift legendary Pokemon um, and so, so screw you, you still restart the game if you want to be a competitor yeah so so you get that gift and you can still like I know people who when that gift was in circulation did a bunch of soft resetting to get the best one possible and even then people were like uh, this isn't this is like the closest to perfect I'll get um, so I there's still an element of like if you want to get a super super perfect one you still have to put in that work yeah. but it's it's a way to to get people caught up and it was right at the end of the competitive circuit for the year um so i just i don't know i I brought up pokemon because it's a little bit of a different case of like you can't pay money for a pokemon like that um there's no way to be like oh i'll pay five dollars and all of my pokemon eggs will hatch faster and then i'll you know breeding will be faster or whatever um but i do think that they do a good job of continuing to support players by being like hey it you might not have this item or you might not have this rare Pokemon. Here's this free gift for this period of time. Um, and it still like, because it's such a, there's a luck element and you also have to know how to use that Pokemon in battle. I don't think it gives you too much of an edge. Like you can't like go into battle with that Pokemon, not knowing what you're doing and win. So I think they do a good job of keeping that Hmm. fair. Yeah. Yeah. So all in all, I mean, between Rainbow Six Siege, Witcher 3, Titanfall 2, Path of Exile, uh, I don't think we have time, but I want to talk more about Warframe. Apparently people are saying that game is really, really good now, that mm-hmm. they've like been continually updating it throughout, when that release? Three years ago? 2013, I think. Yeah. Longer than that, damn. 
that apparently like that game's fantastic now. If uh, I want to check it out because people have been mentioning it, uh, saying the team has been right. consistently updating it. Uh, if you want to, yeah. it's like the most popular game. No one's talking about. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully I'll check that out. Maybe over break. I need something to dive into. But Rainbow Six Siege has also been taking my attention. Um, <laughs> but anyway, and then uh, Pokemon GTA Five Online. Uh, with more games trying to do the games of service thing, you hope that they're going to look to the good examples in the future rather than continue stuff that will piss people off. You know what's an interesting example I just thought of was actually Wolfenstein 2. What are those those things that keep rolling out that are like the like short stories? Yeah, they're those like extra. DLC, right? Yeah. It's not really DLC. You don't pay for it, though. They just like roll those out for free. Yeah, I think it's interesting because it's basically three, the ones that... There's like three right now, right? Yeah. They're they're one of each of the three gameplay styles without spoiling it that you have access to kind of halfway through the game. Uh. So it's kind of like, it's nice because it seems like they don't have to put too much like mechanical effort into it. It's just an opportunity to explore a different story and maybe a gameplay style that you didn't, like if you didn't do stealth, like, oh, you can do the stealth girls route. Um, I think it's interesting. It's kind of yeah. like capitalizing on Hey, maybe because you ha you make this choice halfway through the game, you might not. If you're not the kind of person who wants to replay, but you want to experience what like that one crazy like stilts thing is. Yeah, it's here's like, a thing. And it's like a pretty cool way of you know I, th I think so many single player games have that like quick drop off right, or once you finish it you are gone. But like here's something that's like you're. It's almost like they're trying to fill in the gap for whatever inevitable I would imagine actual Wolfenstein 2 DLC there will be. Yeah. Opposed to like just like dropping off and like going silent and like here's our DLC like right. like you're because there's even like a counter in the main menu where it's yeah. like all right I'll, yeah I'll give it a shot I'll put in like thirty minutes twenty minutes like every couple weeks and the cool thing about that is like they put so much effort into building this world that it's almost for me sometimes when I play a single player game like that I feel kind of bad about leaving or I like put off finishing it because I'm like oh, I'm not ready to leave the world even though the story has concluded and so with that it's kind of like oh. Uh, this is a chance to maybe explore the world we've built um, for, you know, in a more condensed, you know, kind of like spin-off style. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. sweet. Uh, like I said, hopefully other games will look to these better examples as we go forward. Um, Battlefront 2, who knows when the crystals will come back, but they said they are going to be coming back probably. But I want to look back at uh, 2017 as a whole and then see what, uh, what we think of the year. So... <laughs> Started off really good in terms of releases. This year in general was really good with releases, to say the least. For video games, yeah. First, <laughs> yeah, first quarter, Resident Evil 7, Neo, Nier Automata, Gravity Rush 2, Yakuza... Thank you, I was waiting for that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wait, Yakuza... Zero. Zero. Kiwami was later in the year, right? The remake of the first June, game. June, I believe, okay. yeah. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, and then Zelda Breath of the Wild. And not, we'll get to Mass Effect. <laughs> yeah. Um, Pretty solid list. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a lot of them. And then something else, like it's not a resurgence. Japanese game developers were not like, I don't think they had like a, a long dry spell, but I mean like a lot of these first quarter games and throughout the year, Japanese developers have been doing an awesome job. You got the next quarter started off with Persona 5, which was already out, but Atlas brought it over to North America. Oh man, what can I say? Neo, amazing. Resident Evil 7, awesome. Like Zelda. Horizon Zero Dawn, Zelda. Well, it's pretty Z good. Zelda, or Horizon wasn't. Japanese, right? Sorry, I'm just saying in general the first quarter. Oh, oh that um, first quarter, yeah. But um, no, I and mean, you get you it, get a pretty good amount of variety with that first quarter too. Yeah, we've talked like, we've talked before yeah. in the lobby like this for probably the best first quarter ever. But yeah, because I mean, there's something for a lot of different kinds of players. It's not like it's not like a previous like if you think about like November for me, November meant a lot of shooters or it used to. This was like 
And so like even if the shooters are good, it's like that's one genre. This was like, oh, yeah. you can play kind of this, you know, action adventure. There's open world games. There's, you know, Yakuza, which is is, is its own. Prequel, I think it's, right? It lives in its own world. Zero is a prequel to the entire series. Yeah. Um, oh, nice timing yeah, horror, on that. Real. If you like, if you're a From Software fan and nothing new is coming out from them, you have Neo, uh, which that's kind of being reductive because um, I get them mixed up. Not Team Ninja. No, Ninja Theory. Team Ninja. Sorry, Ninja <laughs> Ninja Theory is Hellblade. Which also, uh, newswise, Hellblade sold uh, in the first three weeks or three months. Some three months it sold five hundred thousand copies. Yep. Which and is a lot awesome. of that money went to wow. charity. Yeah. Um, Research rather. Which is that's but, awesome. We can talk more about that later because I want to talk about Hellblade, but. Yeah, Kelly, to your point, there's a lot of variety. And then we hit March 3rd. Not only does Zelda Breath of the Wild come out, but Nintendo Switch, which I would say Nintendo has had a banner year mm-hmm. uh, in general. Rob, you and I mean, we all have played a lot of Zelda, but I think Rob, especially, and Rob and Pete have played a ton. Um, now we've got Battle of the Champ- Ballad of the Champions DLC coming out very soon, sometime in December. I got those amiibo on my desk. But what can't you say about this game? Probably the, I still, I think it's the best open world game ever made. Uh, it's my favorite Zelda now. Quick, uh, shortly before um, I love Majora's the, Mask. Forgot how much I love the Koroks. <laughs> oh, they're fantastic. <laughs> and this just like kicked off a Switch. Obviously, it was on the Wii U as well. But I think obviously we would agree that Switch is a better Wii U. Option. What's that? Yeah. God. You mean the Switch prototype that came yeah, out? Seriously. Yeah, seriously. Accidentally. <laughs> uh, man, I mean, a lot of games like Horizon, also Horizon, Resident Evil Seven, and Zelda all have DLC coming out in December. You know, like good timing to reinvigorate for. Uh, holiday sales and for just like game of the year stuff if they care about that but frozen wilds is announced at e3 yeah um, that's out already i you can buy it now you don't yeah. wait till december i just like i know a lot of people felt like horizon got eclipsed by zelda in a lot of ways but i, I will say that like they're not as comparable as at least i know i thought they were in the combat i love the combat so much and it still stands out this year for me yeah i think the comparisons began with the bow and arrow stuff yeah and then really it just came down to ultimately like okay take combat out of the equation horizon is very much an old school open world game right it's like one of the Mm -hmm. best examples of that where zelda comes around and even though it has some elements from games like far cry if you look at the towers it still uses an open world in a very different way yeah. than any other games before it have. And it was just kind of like, here are two very recent examples of two different types of open world games mm-hmm. that also share some similarities. So let's let's talk about why they're different. Um, I reviewed both of these games. I would, depending on the topic, I would put Horizon Zero Dawn above Zelda in some cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still think Zelda is the more impactful game for me, though. Um, mm-hmm. but I think narrative to have to I would pick put, is yeah a I wonderful mean, problem to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was the case with me. I played this a little bit, and it didn't hook me until very recently, maybe two months ago. I picked it up again and I beat it. And everybody was saying the narrative was great, and I finally got that when I played through. It a takes lot of a the while to story. get there. Yeah. I was gonna say yeah, I haven't finished it, and I I would say the narrative is is the tribal stuff is not. I'm eh, not a as good crazy story. about it. I mean, I've seen. People say it has a great narrative, and I just wasn't convinced. But I, God, the combat is so excellent. The thing is, the the narrative opens up when Aloy starts to connect to the machinations behind what has become of the world. Yeah, which has very little to do with what the tribes are actively doing on a daily basis. It has more to do with the past. Yeah. yeah. So when agents of the past begin to show up, that's when it's like, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you haven't gotten there. I don't know. Uh, and then March Absolutely. rolls around, aside from the Switch and Breath of the Wild, and we were kind of looking forward to Mass Effect Andromeda. 
kind of a contentious title. I'd say there's a lot of people that will defend it. There's a lot of people who would say it was a disappointment. Um, Ubisoft, sorry, not Ubisoft. Ugh. Bioware in Montreal <laughs> released it, and it was there as a studio, their first game. And obviously, they had a lot to live up to with the Mass Effect trilogy, one of the more popular oh, franchises in video right game history. Um, but it was buggy, glitchy, mess. And then, yeah, it didn't look great. It was. Uh, I thought the writing was bad. Yeah, bad writing. Uh, Bioware Montreal members merged with EA Motive soon after to work on Battlefront 2. And uh, we can talk more about some other Star Wars properties that have been shifted around. Did, I, did any of us beat this game? No. No. Because I gave it a fair shake. I played like 15 hours. I think Jean-Luc wow. did. And I never, yeah, I think Jean-Luc and Jake did. Yeah. I finished it. Um, I know, I don't game. think they were They had a new saddest impressed. party on the Citadel. I think they're trying to talk to us over the PA, but we can't hear them. They? <laughs> I can't. Sorry, yeah, it's, it's just. I think it's. Look it's at the like, bugginess of this. Most of the stuff that came out of this game was again how buggy it was, and it was. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate because it was, you know you, I would love would have loved to see Bioware Montreal do well, but um, the game came out it was kind of a disappointment. I'd say like on Twitter, a lot of people said this was one of the bigger disappointments of the year, um, and I thought it was just would have been like much Come more down. fun to explore the Andromeda Galaxy, but from what I saw, it just they didn't mm-hmm. do much with it. Anyway, uh, April Persona Five comes to North America. Which uh, a lot of us on staff can't say enough about. I love Persona Five. That's that's the most time I put into. I mean, outside of a game where like it's like Zelda, that's the most time I put into just a linear game. Just doing, I don't even know how to explain. It. Like I wasn't I wasn't just continually coming back to this to explore the world. Although that's a great part of it. I was actually like wanted to see it through to the end. It took me ninety five hours, I think. Um, and that, this this game is fantastic. I know Michael Hyam was playing this in tandem with Persona Four, which is an odd way to do it. But he went, whatever. He went like balls to the wall with persona uh because of this game i think um my the thing i could didn't get very far in persona 5 uh to my chagrin but uh a lot of that was like thanks a lot of that was the stress of like managing my time and i think that's something that this game is that's really cool about persona is like how you how do you uh use your time wisely but for me i was like oh god and i got too overwhelmed it's pretty good about segmenting like what you can do yeah it is but then you also start to hear these little stories about how punishing it can be if you go in like unprepared into a yeah there's uh, there is like a major thing that's kind of spoilery and me and john luke were talking about yesterday if you haven't if you haven't been doing this consistently it won't ruin the game for you but it'll definitely really wound the pacing I would say so it will hurt the game for you sorry I don't know why I said that um, <laughs> wounds don't hurt luckily, luckily I was I wound was, yeah I was kind of uh, wow. going along a path that they wow. wanted me to be going wow. yeah this game is uh, outside like everything the the soundtrack the presentation the actual I think the writing is fantastic I don't think the um, I, li- I love the dialogue I don't think the voice acting is great the uh, English voice English, acting at least yeah, uh, the yeah we've talked the, about sorry that the voice too. acting is pretty good but the pronunciation I guess of Japanese that's part of it though exactly so I guess I can't say the voice acting is that great but uh, in terms of the inflection and everything they did a good job the actual emotion behind it um, yeah I don't know hey, about, like, like how would you pronounce well I don't know the, the, the fox dude's name I don't want to say his name to ruin it or, uh, I, don't know. I didn't see it Okay, so what about like on instead of Takamaki, they say Takamaki. Takamaki. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and I'm not bad. exaggerating. They hey, say Takamaki. Uh, Ryuji Sakamoto? No, I don't. Sakamoto. Yeah, Sakamoto. Anytime, yeah. anytime you put too much emphasis on a Japanese word, you're doing it wrong because they mm. don't do that. That's right. not a thing in Japanese. They don't give a Every fuck. syllable. Every has syllable's the same, equal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's there's yeah, only rare cases where you shorten something. Yeah. They really you could uh, you can download the 
uh, actual Japanese voice acting a few months after it came out, maybe a month. Uh, I forget. It but was it was pretty soon, but I did yeah. wait until it was out. Yeah. Yeah. This game's fantastic. Uh, otherwise, in April is Outlast Two, and then Mario Kart Eight Deluxe. Yeah, Woo. yeah we all like that a lot. It's um, a good game. Outlast Two didn't fare too well, though. No, I I was. No. Outlast 2 was way too linear for me and uh, scripted as opposed yeah. to the first one. Uh, but this game, this was a chance for a lot of people who might not have played Mario Kart 8 on Wii U to play it again. It's, it it's has like a staple all of, in my Switch library. Now. It automatically includes all of the DLC, what was originally DLC in Mario Kart 8 on Wii U. So like the, you know, Link as a racer and, uh, you know, the Animal Crossing Link. track and stuff like that. But also they, I think one of the most notable things is they completely revamped battle mode. Um, which was one of the big complaints for Mario Kart fans when 8 came out on Wii U, because it was like, it was just battle, like a weird bastardized version of the battle mode that you might remember from like 64 um, on racetracks instead of like actual arenas, and they fixed that completely. So it, it, it really is a significant update if you're not just a normal racer. Yeah. So yeah, really, really good option on the Switch. And then we head into May. Uh, Fire Emblem Echoes Shadows of Valentia, a reimagining of an earlier spinoff mm -hmm. from the series. I was never a big Fire Emblem fan. This <clears throat> quickly made its way into my favorite games of the year. I just, Callie, you, did you start it yet? I haven't You're started about it. To? Uh, yeah, I'm about to start it on my flight. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Jake is a huge Fire Emblem fan. I'd say one of the bigger, the biggest Fire Emblem fan in the office. He was, he's been telling me to play because he knows I like XCOM and th they share the tactical strategy. He's been telling me to play Awakening, Fates for a long time. And I finally, I went back to get those. I haven't played them yet. Or I played a little bit more of uh, Awakening. Would you say that this is a good option for like an entry point to the series yeah. since it is, it's based on an older game or... I don't know, Peter's shaking his head. I'm shaking my head because it's very different from what the series is at the moment. Now. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. very different from Awakening. So yeah. I liked it a lot because and it's fates. so focused on the tactics and the army building instead of, and it kind of strips away the relationship building that was so prominent in Awakening, and I don't know much about Fates. It's, yeah, fates it's is, in there as well. Yeah. I would say... It eased me into the series. I, I don't know if it would introduce me well to the series. I was going to say yeah. it's... Sorry. No, please. Oh, I was just going to say, like, I think... Um, like, like I said with Persona, I, I get easily overwhelmed by things where I feel like I have to make a lot of decisions that could affect my whole game. And so with Awakening, it's like relationships can lead to children, which, uh, you know, people basically breed for their armies in, in Awakening and Fates. Um, and with this, like, you can focus on just learning the strategy elements. And, and there are differences to newer Fire Emblem games. I forget. There's some sort of, there's like, there's one main like, big difference that, I can't remember right now because I feel like I had it mixed up the last we time we talked about now. it. Well, yeah, the, the, yeah. So the 3D dungeon exploration was limited to Fire Emblem Gaiden when that came out in the Famicom yeah. way back in the day and is part and parcel of this. Um, the other big feature this has other Fire Emblem games don't have is that you can rewind combat. Yeah. Yes, yes. So that is sort of like a, it's not just like a feature built into the game, it's a thing that you have to earn uh, the ability to do and do it as often as you would please. Um, but that also, you know, that has an impact for a series that also sort of is famous for, you know, permadeath, although mm -hmm. it also kind of treats permadeath as uh, an option more than anything. Um, yeah, if you run out of rewinds in a battle, you, the permadeath will kick in. Yeah. yeah. Um, which yeah, I, kind of begs the question, is that really permadeath? Right. Yeah, but I, I love Fire Emblem, and I'm really excited to start this game. Yeah, I hit one point where I had to grind with Celica's army. Uh, outside of that, I thought the pacing was great. I didn't love the dungeons, but I liked the characters in They're general. They're very simple. The dungeons yeah. are super simple. They when you go back to them later, because you have to get through them to um, change the class of characters to get to yeah. the mother statues, 
they become really annoying because the enemies will right. it's it, it's like they'll respawn what's uh, nice about course. this game i think and that it strips away the relationship stuff is that it really just focuses in on the actual conflict at hand yeah mm -hmm. it doesn't just sort of like set that aside so you can do some cute bullshit <laughs> wow. sorry i hate the relationship stuff in fireball i think it Ruins the games. <gasps> oh shit! So, did you like this one more than other love ones? is the most important thing in the world? Uh, <laughs> love doesn't exist. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't say I like it more. It, it's it's different. I enjoyed it a lot. I also really liked Awakening. Um, Fates kind of screwed with me because it had so many different versions, and the story felt <laughs> fractured. Conquest, and birthright, conquest, birthright, and afterbirth. I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice one. Alright, I'm gonna move on from Fire Emblem on that note. Revelations, thank you. Uh, and then also Prey released in May. And yeah. Justice 2, which is a great game as well. But Prey was uh, you know, continuing the legacy of immersive sims from Arcane Studios. Raph Colantonio is the creative director on this. Uh, Ricardo Bear helped on it. You uh, love saying the, his name. He does. I told him Raphael. that. I told him that no, it's not Raphael, it's Raph Colantonio you like saying so much. Raph. Yeah. Because it rolls off the throat. Colantonio. <laughs> Uh, but unfortunately, he did. I mean, good for him because he, you know, he's taking a step back from game development for a while. In June, he stepped down from Arcane Studios after like 18 years, I believe. They go back to Dark Messiah of Might and Magic, Arcs Fatalis, uh, you know, the games that kind of played on the uh, Ultima Underworld and original Thief games that uh, extend that Looking Glass origin systems legacy of. Uh, immersive Sims. Unfortunately, this game didn't sell well. Dishonored: Death of the Outsider came out later in the year as well from uh, Harvey's side of uh, their Lyon, France. Harvey Smith, the, they were kind of the two-headed <clears throat> dog of creative directors over there before Raph stepped down to do his own thing. Uh, hopefully, he's doing well. I'm sure he is. But Prey is a fantastic game. Contentious, I'd say. Some people I, liked it a lot more than others, but I love this game I so much. I love this. The more I think about it, I think it's it's really up there for my favorite games yeah. of the year. really love this game. It's amazing. I, I want to replay it yeah. uh, a lot. Me too. Um, and then E3 rolled around. I, would this kind of uneventful I'd say not there were there was some stuff Xbox Scorpio was revealed as Xbox One X excuse you we Pokemon Switch yeah Pokemon Switch <laughs> yeah okay announcement wise let's go through them uh, we're Metroid boy we, want, we were originally uh, we were going to talk about 2018 today but we can save that for a later episode because we are talking a lot more about 2017 which is fine um, Xbox Scorpio was called Xbox One X finally. Phil Spencer took to the stage to talk about, uh, they talked also about original Xbox games were getting backwards compatibility yeah. uh, support. And this is the Xbox One X here. Obviously we have our review up. This is in the public's hands now if you pre-ordered or just bought one. And I'm sure they'll be selling more over the holiday season. Um, but that was the first time we actually knew what it was gonna be called after Scorpio. Um, All those ports. Look at that. What else happened? At, a lot of stuff happened at E3. Dragon Ball Fighters. Dragon Ball Fighters Z. Yeah, is that how you say it? It's fighters. fighters. It's Fighters. It's fighters. Damn it. Yeah. I hate that. Um, I hate it a lot. Because it's based on Dragon Ball Z, not yeah. Dragon Balls. Dragon Balls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but po Pokemon on Switch, exclusive for the Switch. Pokemon Next Switch. Year? It's coming to PS4 as well. <laughs> Next uh, year? Yeah, I, I don't know if they said actually. They so. were just kind of like, we don't have a lot to say, but no, it is happening. Right. Which, it's me, the Pokemon time. man at the Pokemon office. We're working on Pokemon. But it yeah. was that was enough <laughs> for me to start pretty... crying. Mm -hmm. So, oh, um, yeah. Metroid Prime Four. Yeah, um, and just, that tease. Lots they of teases. In Samus Returns during that like post yes. show live yeah. stream. Yes, I forgot. I came that. Back we're already to the war news. room, and I was just like. The yeah, fuck? no, we Dude, looked I over forgot. at the projector. We're like, what the fuck is that? It was like, is that? I don't know. I was like, is that? It looks like. A Metroid game and piece of, yeah, apparently yeah. Mercury Steam's and doing Samus Returns. And we don't I don't think we talked we talked about this game a lot. I'm surprised. Like people have been saying, Oh, I want two D Metroid games to come back. Like and it was so under the I radar. I don't think this game got the the attention deserved. The problem is one, it's a remake. 
two, it's on 3DS. Three wasn't made by Nintendo proper, and I think because of that, people maybe yeah. not that they write it off, but that they don't immediately gravitate towards it as this is what we've been asking for. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in so many ways, it's not what people were asking for, but it does sort of satisfy so many of the things that Metroid used to that we haven't had a chance to experience uh, and advances you know what the series does well in some respects as well you love this game after beating it I like this game a hell of a lot yeah I think it you know I was never really one to get too wrapped up in the story of Metroid because I always found when the when they really tried to focus on it in prime it was almost like overwhelming there was yeah. so much to dig into here they actually they just sort of they tell it through these very passive means but well not necessarily passive but they they give you glimpses through images rather than trying to like inundate you with tons of, you know, text lore and sh and stuff like that. Um, so you got to learn a lot about the Chozo, which is sort of the race that is the re oh, so. is the reason that Samus is the way she is. Is the reason the galaxy is under the threats that they're under, uh, and they're actually sort of responsible for having to clean it up. And by proxy, Samus is doing their dirty work. Um, but that's just all super interesting. But then you also get this sort of action element that 2D Metroid never had before as well, and a lot of people find that to be, I think, a bit off-putting. Mm -hmm. And it does take a minute to get used to, but once you get used to it, Samus feels more powerful than ever. She's not just a gun anymore or a someone who can jump. Like she is someone who can punch an alien in the face and then mm -hmm. and then shoot it to death. Yeah. You know, it's it adds that little bit of momentary tension and extra bit of, you know, powerful qualities to the character. Yeah, Kelly, you mentioned Metroid Prime 4 as well. That was the bigger reveal. They just showed the four well, during Yeah, and it's so weird that like conference. They put a lot of small teases in that in the press conferency thing proper, and then they hid that in in an after almost an afterthought. Um, but sometime next year, they said. Yeah, and obviously, like it's kind of dumb to be too excited about something that we just saw the this of. Um, and this Nintendo, it's going to get delayed. Yeah, but <laughs> like, like I, it's you know, it's kind of like finally. In the meantime, go play the original trilogy. It still holds up really yeah. well. Even the first game is still <laughs> just wonderful. the first game is worth playing. I like corruption a lot. Yeah, Echoes is a. Uh, is it Echoes? Am I saying that right? Yeah, Echoes Fire is the Emblem. second one. Echoes is the second. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Echoes is tough because that whole light and dark. You got to recharge. You got to get in the light to recharge. It's a little more unforgiving. I fucking love Metroid Prime though, the first one. It is fun to revisit uh, one and two on uh, Wii U, or Wii, <laughs> uh, to use the motion controls, which were not yeah. in the GameCube original releases. Mm. That's actually an interesting reason to revisit too. I'd say. Then we also got Beyond Good and Evil 2, yeah. uh, which topped my list of games I couldn't care less about. Which it sounds just, like something super weird. The way they described it, it's like No Man's Sky. Like If you pull it off, that's great, but the way they're describing it just sounds nothing like what people liked about the original. People seem excited for it, but I have to be jaded here. Is that just because of the name? Does uh, this actually look that great? Potentially. Did, yeah. did, did you guys like the tone of this? Like this I monkey hated swearing? how much the monkey swore. Yeah. I was like, mm. why? And this pig makes me want to die. All right, what the fuck? It's yeah, a pretty yeah. interesting aesthetical palette, yeah. though. Um, it sort of reminds me of Star Wars in in so many ways. Yeah. Just like an alternate sort of like timeline. Uh, or like Fifth Element. Sure. Yeah. And either way, this is who knows when this is going to happen. But Michelle Ancel was up on stage talking about it and what they want to do. That's, it sounds very ambitious, like with an MMO. And that's where I keep stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, um, they, they had that like, didn't he like show off the game in like some kind of build? Just yeah, like, it was and, just and then zooming out, zooming out, and then <laughs> that's the last time we've heard yeah. about it. So, so yeah, we'll see knows. what happens with this. Uh, I don't necessarily know that I'm excited for it, uh, but yeah, Metro Exodus, which looked 
really good. Uh, they showed it at the Microsoft. It was a timed, though obviously the Microsoft press conference was what is coming out for Xbox One exclusively. What's a timed <laughs> exclusive? Uh, yeah, not much. But Metro Exodus. Confusing. Apparently, I thought it was going to be a timed exclusive, but I think it's just coming out simultaneously on all platforms. Uh, In like January, right? It's really? like a month and a half away. It, is it that early? It's January or February. Yeah. Shit. It is uh, super soon. I can't wait Damn. for this. I'm pretty sure it's January. I, I just right now. replayed. Um, both. Redux, last yeah, the yeah, Redux, I'm the uh, so 2033 excited. and Last Light. It says 2018 right now. I could have sworn I saw something. Uh, yeah, it says 2018 right now. But, okay. Um, right. Forget what I said. I was wrong. I think they originally were saying like first quarter maybe. Uh, that'd be awesome. I don't. I, I for some reason I don't think it would be here. But uh, 4A games, I love the first two and the what would be a trilogy. They but, just put out a VR game set in a very aesthetically similar universe. Wasn't that in like an Arctic base? Or am I thinking of something? Uh, no, I believe that that's correct. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, what else did they show? Yeah, Last of Us Two. They showed more of Mario plus Rabbids. Miyamoto came out with a gun. Kind of heard inklings of that game, Kingdom Battle. But then, uh, yeah, they came up and uh, he even Miyamoto were kind of being bros up on stage talking that, about it. It was adorable. I'm still not sold on Rabbids. I must say, I was not then, and I still am not. The game is good. Yeah. Hate rabbits, they're the minions of video they're very, games. Yeah, they're very similar to minions, same kind of uh, <laughs> jokes and whatnot. Yeah. All right, uh, moving on from E3. So, July, I don't want to talk about this too much. We already did July was when we had those. On this show, we started talking about uh, is Battlefront 2 pay to win? They showed off that <laughs> Battlefront That was that YouTube long channel. ago? Yeah. Oh, God. And Rob's like, dude, this doesn't look great. Uh, so, we'll, we'll breeze past this. But that's when it first started off in the pay to win video. It suggested that there was pay to win. It's just. <laughs> to really quickly say, it's Can just I talk cra- about crystals for a second. <laughs> it's, just, it's crazy to think that, like, from E3, it was like, wow, this game looks pretty good. Look, it's and then it like, fun. and you see the abilities and everything. It's just like straight ability. Mm-hmm. There's no tier or grade on said ability. And then like a month later, it's like, just oh no, mm-hmm. <laughs> just the loot crates. And then yeah, like epic and yeah. Oh, yeah. we've we've talked we, about yeah. That. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then, like, pretty much uh, July, Switch outsold Xbox and PS4. I think this summer is when, uh, with, Spl- with Splatoon 2, toward the end of spring, summer, uh, that's when kind of Switch started yeah. to really gain its momentum through toward the end of the year. It started out selling the PS4 in Japan, or it outsold the PS4 in Japan over its first 26 or so weeks, if you compare them side by side, uh, the 26 weeks after launch. Uh, and then... October rolls around, or sorry, September, Destiny 2 releases the big sequel, Bundy's big sequel. Um, I think that definitely had a better start than the first Destiny, despite the fact, yeah, in terms of design. Yeah, we around here for, yeah. for a good, good while. Yeah, people, people are saying you're about to freak out about Battlefront 2. Still look heated. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd say Destiny 2 is in a better spot at release than Destiny 1, despite the fact that Destiny 1 had the mystery curiosity behind it. Um, October rolls around, and this is when kind of the news starts getting dour uh october ea closed visceral the studio known for uh dead space and they were also working on the star wars game with amy hennig that used to be 1313 we didn't really know what it was called after that uh and they said the star wars game ea said the star wars game wasn't enough of a game as a service essentially so visceral was shut down and then they moved uh production of the game to the other studios and then we saw later that EA bought Respawn in November. Mm. Uh, so Titanfall 3 was kind of a bittersweet announcement. We know Titanfall 3 is a thing, but we also know EA is publishing it. So the question is whether they'll learn from Battlefront 2 or whether there'll be a lot of microtransactions. They have to. They have to yeah. learn. They've even applied their learning to Need for Speed Payback, a game that 
is already half price, even though it came out a couple weeks ago. Yeah. It had That's already half price? It's already half price. Because wow. it, it had, I mean, it wasn't oh, a fantastic wow. game to begin with, yeah. but it also had Loot Crate randomized shit, which was indicative of, I think, what will now be known as EA's past. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hopefully. I hope, I hope so. Yeah. yeah. Unless they bring back crystals subtly and everybody just starts spending mm. a ton of money on them. Mm. It'd be um, cool if like, your Titan dropped and then a loot crate drops right behind it. Like from its butt? Like it pooped out a loot crate? Prepare for loot crate. What if what if there was one Titan, you know, like Scorch is all fire attacks. A Titan that looks like a loot crate? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's based on, you don't know what attack you're going to use when you press the trigger. <laughs> and you have to pay to shoot people. I'm um, begging you ammo. to move on. Yeah, <laughs> quickly to go back to November before this. Uh, so Xbox One X released to middling attention, I'd say. I don't know the full sales yet, but it came out. It it looks great. It seems like it's worth the price. It's a, it's a really cool console. Yeah. Honestly, like Microsoft did a fantastic job redesigning the the system itself, and it coincided with a redesigned UI, which I think is still not quite there. But it's but it's much better. It's, yeah, it's not there, but it's such an improvement over what right. was there. Right. Uh, and then as of November, oh, can I interrupt you? Uh, Cuphead. Cuphead. Thank you. Super Cuphead. Nintendo Classic. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, there's a bunch of games I'm Those, not touching yeah. on that okay. weren't as big milestones, but Super Nintendo Classic released. Yeah. What'd you guys think of that? It's great. I played more Mega Man X last weekend. It is very great. I like that so much more than the NES Classic, but that's just because the Super Nintendo I is want so much one better. real bad. Did yeah. you see, I forget who told me, but uh, Nintendo 64 manuals have shown up on Nintendo's website. Oh, really? And their support there site. there was that patent a few months ago. Re-upping the trademark or whatever. Sure, yeah. You look at those things, and it's like, and you look at the track record from NES Classic to Super Nintendo Classic. And it's like, all right, are we going to get Nintendo yeah. 64 Classic? I don't know why else they would put those manuals up there, unless those games are coming to Switch. But I feel like that's not Wave Race Tournament here. Ooh, right I in. loved Wave Race. I love Wave, 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 Wave Race dang. so much. That like oil rig uh, map was the best one, of course. But Armorines. Ooh, I know. I love that game. That's Ex- like aliens. No, it didn't suck. Chameleon Twist. Barf. Gecko. Barf. No one knows what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, what else are we talking about? PUBG yeah. reached... Oh, no, you want to talk about Cuphead. Of course, we want to He just wanted Cuphead. to say the name Cuphead. He just said Cuphead. Finally released after, what, five <laughs> years? And, like, we were kind of worried. Like, is this really going to live up to it? Oh, it was great. The past few games, yeah. Yes. game's fantastic. Yeah. One of my favorite games of the year. I know Joey would echo that sentiment. Um, they sold a million copies at least. They sold much more now. Many more now. Yes. Yeah. So, congrats to Studio NBHR. We got the whole behind-the-scenes thing. If you want to go watch that, Joey did an awesome job on it. I just noticed your watch is working, man. Different watch. Damn uh, as of this, <laughs> As of November, PUBG sold 20 million copies, which is oh. huge. Still early access until December, unless they delay it. I played a bunch last night. Oh, yeah? I finally first, did. First time? Uh, yeah, first real game. Uh, we were number two for the team. The dose. Nice. I was like, uh, in the last five alive. I was really proud of myself. Dope. Yeah, that game's nice. fantastic. Yeah. Um, Hopefully the desert map comes out before the end of the year, but they said they're that's aiming to bring it out before the end of the hopefully year. Hopefully the game the comes 1. out before the end of the right? year. Yeah. That's, that's like part and parcel of what the 1.0 is. Yeah. Um, and then they were closing in on 2 million concurrent players. It's been number one on Twitch for most of the year, I'd say. Um, so that player unknown is doing very well. Uh, I already mentioned EA bought Respawn. Uh, I think November was when the... Well, obviously November, as Battlefront 2 approached its release date, was when the controversy reached such heights that EA removed microtransactions the day before official release. We already talked about that. Remember that, remember that episode of The Lobby? We talked about that in November. A few of them, yeah. yeah. You mean yeah. the several episodes of The Lobby where we talked <laughs> yeah. about that? So outside of releases, there's a bunch of games I didn't get the chance to mention. Night uh, in the Woods. Night in the Woods is fantastic. We'll design Mario and we'll Assassin's Creed. Mario, Assassin's Creed. October 27th was a huge day. Um, what was your favorite among those, Mario? 
When did Agents of Mayhem come out? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Oh, man. Are you forgetting Lawbreakers, dude? Ah, uh, yeah. Lawbreakers. <laughs> released. Good happened. game. But it didn't really maintain a player base. They should have... No, Quick decline of Cliffy B. Yeah. Um, oh. I would say, in general, banner year for Nintendo. Do we all agree on that? Yes. Come back? Come back? Would you call it a comeback? Don't call it a comeback. Oh. Would you call it a comeback? You said him, you teed him up for this <laughs> so well. Would you? Uh, yeah, I, I would. I would. Uh, it's always kind of strange because it's like they've been working on this stuff for years. It's not like they couldn't have maybe done it sooner. But uh, it's certainly a year filled with uh, great things that you know went beyond our expectations. And with, whether those expectations, expectations were set after years of disappointment... It's tough to say, mm. but still very, very impressive games between Mario and Zelda, at least those two. Leaving out some of the more recent bad news of studio closings and predatory economic practices, would you say this was the better, one of the best years for releases since the 90s or 2007 or 11 even? Uh, one of the more exciting years, mm -hmm. I'd say. Yeah. Overall quality. Yeah. You guys agree? Yeah. Absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah. I, First I feel quarter like, especially. Isn't that just fantastic? There weren't that many disappointments, you know, and there were a lot of surprises, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's a good way of putting it. There's a lot I'm going to be playing after this year is over, too. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot I'm going to check out still. Uh, yeah. People are saying uh, new IPs like Horizon. Uh, so this, I'll go through the Twitter things quick before we all kind of assign an arbitrary grade to this year. <laughs> uh, best... The best. El Guapo 3385 on Twitter says, the new IPs like Horizon getting a lot of love by critics and consumers, and then the worst part of the year was Games as Service motto being pushed by big publishers. Um, people also, a bunch of people, Jesse Radonsky, who we work with sometimes in PR, he was saying uh, Dead Cells recently sold 500,000 copies. They're still in early access. They are. And that was a fantastic, that is a fantastic game. I don't know what they're adding to that to finalize it. We've talked about this before. They but added like, a couple new locations okay. in an update, I think, a week ago. Um, or two weeks ago, the fifteenth, I think, was when it went out. Um, that game and PUBG are the sort of games that get pe enough people talking, where it's like, crap, how do we think about early access games now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it's it's a real tricky situation, but it's cool to see games get a shot, uh, you know, or, or at least a new venue for games to to live where they might not have been able to. Uh, Errol Moss, constant friend of the show, is saying, best, again, Horizon Zero Dawn, exceeding expectations. Worst, Monster Hunter stories getting completely overlooked due to lack of publicity. Errol being on, loves Monster Hunter stories. Being on 3DS yeah. and releasing the same week as Destiny 2, plus plenty of other great games were overlooked. We didn't overlook that game. We tried it, and it's not that good. Really? Sorry, Errol Moss. <laughs> Errol in the Twitch chat. I think he's here right Sorry. now. Sorry. Yeah, we'll see. Um, <laughs> Talk to Justin Haywald. I'm quoting him. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. Wait, this, is a fun, this is a funny one. Uh, D.D. Davis, he met, okay, he mentioned a couple things that I won't say because they were actually spoilers for certain games this year. He goes, best is uh, E3 reveal of Horizon Zero Dawn Frozen Wilds. <laughs> Worst was No Man's Sky being meh. Visceral Star Wars game falling apart. And then like 15 minutes later, he goes, wait, was No Man's Sky 2016? <laughs> well, still, biggest actually, disappointment. <laughs> well, actually, but this year that game got a huge yeah, yeah, injection. Is that game good? Like really good? Now? I went back to it. It's like it's better. Miles better. Okay. Yeah. I gotta try that out and Warframe. Did you ever play No Man's Sky at all? Mm, six hours, which <sighs> is nothing. You, did, you, did, I think you thought it was you liked it. I thought it was great, but I, I think I, I don't know. Maybe I went in not even caring about the game at all, and yeah. what I found was n the path I followed was not the one that most people wanted to follow. Your expectations were not that high, based on because a lot of that ish that hate was was because of like 
these promises that were so my being lied to and all these things. My right? expectations like, was scale. Everyone else's expectation was scale and quality of things. Nah. No, I think it was the it, it, it all came to a head when you couldn't meet someone else in the galaxy. That yeah. was when people threw their hands up and they were like, fuck this game, fuck Sean Murray, fuck all these lies, this is bullshit marketing. Yeah. That was one little thing. That game had some really fantastic stuff going on, especially from a narrative perspective, which who would have expected that from that game? Mm-hmm. Most people have not played through that narrative mm-hmm. and they write it off, which it's like a Metal Gear Solid 5 situation for me all over again. No one finished that game and everyone wants to talk right, shit come about on, it. Come on, dude. I know. Come on. I'm right here. What's up, dude? Speaking Ooh. of, uh, <laughs> three 10 out of 10s this year. <laughs> Super Mario Odyssey. Divinity Original Sin. Legend of Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild and Divinity Original Sin 2. Two. Which a lot of us at the office have fallen in love with. Mm. Um, great kind of return to computer RPGs. You're going to talk about like isometric kind of systems-driven RPGs. Huh? Oh, I talked to so many to animals. Benjenka yeah. <laughs> uh, and Jean-Luc and myself and Jake and... That game is fantastic. I love that game so much. Um, fantastic RPG. And then uh, one more person. Connor Allen on Twitter says, Best, uh, the quiet opening of Breath of the Wild, the entire aesthetic of Persona 5, New Donk City's festival, Hellblade's moving depiction of mental illness, and then worst, no option to date Yusuke in Persona 5, <laughs> and the sort of soulless look of Secret of Mana yeah. remake. The relentless heterosexualism of Persona 5 <laughs> will There's, plague us forever. There are no gay relationships in that game, right? I don't think so. Hmm. Seems weird because the whole game is about is about upsetting yeah society norms, norms and it's yeah yeah uh, and then Lloyd Christmas a lot of good girls though a lot of cute girls in our game. friend of the show Brett was saying uh, hearing Persona 5's battle theme for the first time was incredible I knew I was immediately hooked same here Brett uh, cool I think my laptop just died but anyway that's the end of the show <laughs> no it is um, naturally I want to I want to go around quick. You don't have to do an A to F scale. You don't have to do a 1 to 100, 1 to 10. What would you rate 2017, Peter Brown? Sandwich out of meal. Okay. <laughs> sandwich, Kelly? <laughs> what? You said I couldn't. I didn't have any numbers or you buttons. Can. You can, though. Fine. I don't know. Z. Okay. No, it was a great That's year. Right. It was a freaking great yeah. year for games. Out of an A to F, whatever, it was easy and easily an A. Ooh. I wouldn't say A plus. Okay. I'd say A. It. Yeah, I feel very conflicted because there were a lot of things outside of games this year that stressed me out a lot, and I felt guilty about being like, but games are good. Right. But mm-hmm. like an A. Yeah. The struggle continues in the that regard. The struggle continues. <laughs> so it was just like a very conflicted year, but games, save the day. games are a great way to escape. <laughs> imagine imagine you get you get like an ice cream sundae, and then it's, it's like pretty damn good. And then as you're eating it, you go, oh, what? Oh shit! They're they're peanuts in this. And then oh, they are you allergic? <laughs> oh wait! Oh, these are sprinkles. Oh, I didn't ask for this. And then it's just like ingredient after ingredient. It's like there's Captain Crunch. Who? This is crazy. That sounds good. Okay, I'm really confused about if that's What's, good or bad. Yeah, <laughs> Captain Crunch and ice cream. It's like next thing you know, it's like, oh man, this is one of the best Sundays oh, I've ever had. So the year just got better as it went on. I yeah. thought you were going to say those things ruined it, like microtransactions. I know, yeah, There's a larger metaphor at play. Me too. Oh, no, there, there is a cockroach in there. He's lacto- <laughs> and, and he's lactose intolerant, so somehow this is just a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Okay, sweet. Uh, I don't know, I'd give it a B plus. <laughs> I go B plus, Show A your minus. Work. Show your work. Uh, averaging well, out. An the, releases were, the, release, the releases were an A, a plus. What were you just going to do? Nothing. Releases were an A plus. Um, <laughs> video game news overall, I'd say... News. News. <laughs> news. The news deuces, I'd say, were a collective C plus. So that averages out to what? Like B? I don't sure. know. I'm not. I'm into this. And then I'm just <laughs> giving it less than an A minus because I want to be contrarian. So I'm going to go B plus. And uh, anyway, that's pretty much our show. Aside from our giveaway. 
coffee from uh, our giveaway. Uh. Kelly has got it over there. It's it's one of those weeks where we want to show you, and you're not going to expect this. The camera's going to cut over to her, and you're going to probably gasp. I saw it coming. All right, go. Yeah, that's the giveaway this <laughs> this week. Is a uh, a one to one replica Ow. of a Gears of War Lancer, complete with bayonet. Can you uh, okay. pull that? Can you? Okay. Bubble wrap, can you push it forward? Uh, I was going to say, you can't take this off. That's illegal. And then pull it back. Yeah. Makes a chainsaw noise, uh, as always. Shit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was going to say, do some Marcus quote. Uh, as always, I did follow it. GameSpot on Twitter if you don't already, and then retweet our giveaway tweet, and then go to our site for the giveaway. And then uh, in a few days, we'll pick a random <laughs> winner. Uh, and there you go. That's a giveaway for the week. Thank you, Shiva and Gadge, for setting that up. And uh, everybody in the Twitch and YouTube and GameSpot Chats and anybody who sent in replies on Twitter. Uh, we don't have an episode next week because we are going to be busy with Game of the Year stuff oh, after shit, uh, our, really? the U.S. Thanksgiving break. Ugh. So uh, we might be back in two weeks, I believe, for like a last episode of the year. Uh, until then, everybody, thank you, all, as always, for joining Eric Tay, John Luke, and Richard in the back. Thank you, as always, for producing the show. And uh, we'll probably talk to you before the end of the year. But if you're in the U.S., have a great long weekend. Catch up on some games. Get ready for our Game of the Year chats. If you're not in the U.S., have a great rest of the week and a good weekend. Do the same. And uh, we will see you in a few weeks. Have a good one. Bis später. <laughs>